Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey guys, Perry here to let you know that Collider Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans where you can binge the new and highly touted original series Titans or jump into the beloved yet bizarre Doom Patrol with new episodes dropping weekly. Also, check out the thousands of comics just added, including more recent titles and complete storylines. Join at DCUniverse.com. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Center, Get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa Automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa Automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers. While supplies last. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. On today's show, we've got the first full trailer for Aladdin. Kids dropping lots of F-bombs in the Good Boys trailer. And then on top of that, is there a Bohemian Rhapsody sequel in the works? We're going to dig into that. Yeah, it's as ridiculous as it sounds, and uh, we're going to tear it apart. That is our show today with Jeff Snyder and Mark Riley. Guys, I am so happy to be back at this table with you. Austin was fun, but this is home sweet home. How are you guys doing? Perry. Yeah. Yeah. I I enjoyed your, your South by stories this morning. 
Getting the, getting the lowdown, the lay of the land. I think I posted. Are we talking about Instagram stories just right now? Ta- just us chit chatting <laughs> oh, in the office I thought here. we were specifically talking stories. about Instagram stories because I only posted one story the entire time I was no. there, and it was my plate of food from Salt Lake, which I was not <laughs> leaving Austin without going there once. I missed that one. How it's was it? So, food good? It's so good. Yeah. We we went in the airport right before we flew back, and you basically eat a gigantic plate of meat, and then you pass out on the plane, and that's great. Yes. Good times all around. Now we're jumping into our first story, and as I said up top, that is the brand new Aladdin trailer. So this is the very first full trailer we're getting, which means we get a much more in-depth look at the movie. We hear some of the iconic songs that we know. Just in case you don't have it on your calendar already, this movie hits theaters on May 24th. So, Riley, let's kick things off with you. I assume that you have kind of fell in line with all of us in terms of that first TV spot that Mm. revealed uh, Will Smith as the genie, right? Yeah, uh, the first tease was fine. It reminded me of the first tease of Cinderella where they just showed the glass slipper. Um, And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, here we go. That second trailer, yeah, I was with everybody. I thought it looked awful. Uh, This one was great. It was a lot, yeah, it was a lot better. You don't seem like you're that hot on it, though. I'm not, I'm still not that hot on this movie. Um, But the feels were had when A Whole New World played. And I'm, and, and, and I thought about, you know, it's like, why didn't they start with this? That's what I was wondering, to really get the nostalgia in there. And the genie worked a lot better for me. I thought it was fun. I did laugh when it's like the whole prince thing. It's like, it's a little vague. You know, I can create a prince for you. And then he creates a prince. That was funny for me. I'm still iffy on everything. It looks good. It looks better than everything. I have a lot more faith in it because of this trailer. But there is something about the look that I'm still not gelling with completely. And I need to see in theaters. Believe me, I'm excited. I'm an Aladdin guy. I grew up. It hit me right in the moment where I can remember it. I was singing all the songs. Love those songs and everything. But yeah, I'm still the jury. The jury is still out a bit. I am kind of right there with you. I can't look at this trailer and say, oh, I am super confident now. But I think that the TV spot was such a gigantic disaster Mm -hmm. that... This one looks so, so good to me all of a sudden. The fact that we finally got the music worked in in a way that it gives me chills, it brings back that nostalgic love for the original animated movie, that's Mm -hmm. what we should have had all along. And that's what that first teaser missed out on. I understand that they were trying to tap into it, and it was meant to be a teaser, but that should have conjured way more emotion than it did. Then, of course, that TV spot was just a guy huge huge disaster Mm. what they did right here with the genie and i'm a little surprised that they showed as much genie as they did after the response to the last thing i thought they were going to pull back on that significantly but (laughs) it was quick cuts to the genie and i think that's what made it sit right with me is that very rarely were we just like sitting there focusing on cg will smith as the genie as he was saying something it was mostly like joke and then poof he's gone or something else and i think that made that whole look sit a little better with me yeah, I wonder if that that was by design. They go, they they had a little bit more confidence in it, and it's like the reason they doubled down instead of pulling back is that that's going to be a major sell for this movie is Will Smith as the genie. So maybe try to do the best they can, which it worked. I think it worked. I got a better idea of the character. I liked it. I liked everything about the genie actually in this compared to the first one. I actually laughed a number of times with it and thought it was very cute. Jeff, do you read this as a reaction to the last TV spot? 
You hated this, didn't you, Jeff? I, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Disney should just pull all the ads, all the trailers right now, Aww. and just pull a Netflix oh, and yeah. just say, the movie comes out today, or the movie comes out tomorrow, okay? These trailers are awful, and they're doubling down on Will Smith because you don't have anything else to double down on. What do you mean? That's the whole sell. The yeah. whole reason for making this movie is that they got a star of Will Smith's caliber to play the genie. Mm. What, what are you going to sell it on? Naomi Scott and Mina Masood and, and Marwin Kanzari as Jafar? Far, like, give me a break. You have no other elements to sell. Guy Ritchie's name does not put butts in seats. All you have is Will Smith as the genie, and that looks like maybe the worst element of this entire movie. This is not going to do well. Ooh. No. So wait, wow. Will Smith is the genie, but also the brand that Aladdin is. You don't think Aladdin, the name and the idea of a live-action Aladdin is basically guaranteeing this movie a certain amount opening weekend? Yeah. I mean, of course, it's a lot. It's a live. What, what is guaranteeing it a certain amount is not the Latin. It's the gigantic marketing spend that Disney is going to just throw at this movie to open it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, all of Disney's live action films are going to have a certain floor box office wise. Um, but I think that this one is going to be a lot closer to that floor than to the, the ceiling of some of the other films like Beauty and the Beast. Let's say this winds up, one, not being good overall and also a little bit of a box office bust in, com- in comparison to some of their other things like Beauty and the Beast. What does that do to their future lineup? Do we then see future planned live action adaptations maybe relegated to the Disney Plus zone? Hmm. I, I I do think so, yeah. I think that Disney Plus will sort of be the the destination for these movies that are, are maybe made at half the budget at sixty to eighty million dollars instead of one hundred and fifty million dollars. I mean, this movie sounds crazy expensive. Uh, Mulan is another film that it's like. I, I hate to say it, but I, I don't know if that is going to perform either. Because just like you need stars, and, and you, I, I just I don't know that Aladdin. I don't, I don't well, think I it's going to cut it. There are names. They're like, and they're remaking at least for me in the time. Mulan, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid. Um, those were like some right. big, big movies in the Disney era of animation that I watched and ate up. And they're now making those. And so Mulan, I think, is going to crush, actually. Depending on what we see, the first look and everything, I think there's a huge audience for Mulan. And Mulan is one of my favorite Disney movies. But the transfer, how is it going to work? Because Aladdin is one of my favorites. And I'm, I'm kind of with you, Jeff. I don't know if this this doesn't look good. There's something off in the trailers that just isn't rubbing me correctly. It looks like, fake. It looks like, like it's all fake. sets. It looks like sets, but like Beauty and the Beast got me. The movie I didn't love. I, I think it was a little too much. I, like I prefer the animated, but it was good. Jungle Book blew me away. Cinderella, I think, is the best adaptation we've had from all of their live action because it really did something interesting with the story. Um, But Aladdin, I'm with you. I think there's something I'm worried that this could be a flop and it'll open huge. I think it'll open huge comparative to like other Disney live action, maybe not Beauty and the Beast huge, but it will open huge. But if it's a stinker and word of mouth spreads, I think we could be looking at a little uh, dismal box office return for Disney. I just don't think this movie is in Guy Ritchie's wheelhouse at all. I don't think he's a family filmmaker. I don't think he's a musical guy. I think he was very much the wrong choice. I've kind of heard he he just kind of, you know, shot a take or two and then retreated into his trailer. Um, You know, which is is something that I'd frankly heard about F. Gary Gray on that last Mass and Furious movie. And, and, you know, he's not coming back. I don't expect Guy Ritchie to be asked to do another Disney live-action movie. I know that we've heard you know what? I, I remember we did hear those rumors. It was about him maybe taking over Pirates of the Caribbean. I would be shocked if oh, they went back. Right. To, I would be shocked if they went back to Guy Ritchie for anything. 
Yeah, well, that's the yeah. When when he was given the director's reins, I was like, how is he going to do <clears> the music? I mean, there, this is a definite musical, and people like when you say Rob Marshall, you go, oh yeah, 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 that works. But Guy Ritchie, I thought was an outstanding choice outside the box. But when I'm hearing that stuff, you don't want to like. Maybe that's why it looks a little weird. But there's something my spidey senses are tingling the, a little these bit. These actors have never top lined a movie either. I mean, I know we're talking about Will Smith as the genie, but Mina Masood and Naomi Scott, these are unproven entities. And yeah, I just you know when 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 the movie really is about that relationship between you know Aladdin and Jasmine, I don't know. I feel but like who this, do you get in in general then? You know. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing because you, you you know you can cast stars, but then you get all like the Twitter pieces about how you know that it wasn't cast uh, with ra- racial sens- sensitivity in mind. Right. Um, so that's the thing when you're trying to to make new stars, you know, you're sacrificing something. You're leaving something on the table. I happen to have seen Mina in a movie at South by while mm-hmm. I was there called Run This Town, and he is one of the main characters in it. It's more of an ensemble piece and. He he was pretty good in it. I don't think it's necessarily the kind of showcase movie that would suggest to me, oh, he can carry Aladdin. And as for Naomi Scott, I think I've seen her in enough things that I've got confidence in her. But like you said, Will Smith They're is the fine. headliner it's here. Just, yeah, exactly. I, and I know it's, yeah, it's not on them to open the movie. It's going to be on Will Smith's shoulders. But yeah. I, there's only so much he can do. The pressure is Playing on. Clearly, team. we're mixed on this trailer and basically what step this is taking this movie in, whether it's a step forward or a step backwards. But but we're getting closer to that May release date, so we're going to find out real soon. Another movie that we've got on our trailer lineup today is something we've got to wait longer for, August 16th to be exact. We have a trailer for the movie Good Boys, and this movie is actually not age-appropriate for its cast. It's got an R rating, and it features 12-year-old friends Max, Thor, and Lucas, and Max is played by Jacob Tremblay, who you might know from Room and The Predator, and these kids accidentally destroy the drone that belongs to Max's dad and then they get wrapped up in a string of misadventures as they try to replace it before Max's dad gets home whoa the f-bombs and the inappropriateness in this trailer it was something else uh Jeff how are you feeling about this one do you think that this could wind up being a mid-August hit uh yeah, I do. I think that this, you know, kind of fills that like sausage party super bad. I think super bad was also August that like, you know, late summer need for a big raunchy comedy. <laughs> Is it sad that I remember it was August because I vividly yeah. remember taking a picture at Warp Tour in August on Long Island <laughs> with me and my friend where we were standing and it was like one of those cutout things where you put your head on the Oh sure. <laughs> Where's Scott bodies? Mance when you need a movie release date? Um I I love this Red Band trailer. I like that they led with the red Red Man trailer too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that they dropped it simultaneously. You know, the same night that the movie debuted at South by. I think this looks like an absolute blast. Uh, th- these kids look they, like like they have great chemistry together. Um, I liked a lot of the, the the jokes, the sex jokes. I mean, I have a, I have a crude sense of humor that you know would no. be well suited to, for a twelve year old. So uh, I'm I'm all in on this, and uh, like I'm excited had... for Lee and Gene, uh, Gene Stupnitsky, who yes. uh, who directed this. I feel like you had that crude crude sense of humor when you were twelve. Oh, didn't I you? I was these kids at. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I can confirm that they have great chemistry, not necessarily in the movie, but they swung by the uh, interview suite that we had at South by Southwest, and they were funny, and you'll see that interview soon. But Dorian actually saw the full movie, and here's what he tweeted after. He wrote, Good Boys movie is one of the funniest movies I've seen in a while. Holy shit, I was laughing the entire time. And he's not the only person I heard that reaction from. And I can't say that when I watched this trailer, I was laughing the entire time. I think... I think it was almost being mentally prepared for knowing that this is the trailer where 12-year-olds say the F word all the time. And I think because I knew that, I was kind of waiting for it. But then I watched it again, and it started to sit in a little bit better. And especially the bit at the end where he hurts his arm on the bike, that got a laugh-out-loud reaction for me. But I'm just kind of excited about all the movies we're seeing right now where it's it's basically like R-rated, crude, coming-of-age stories because I saw books at South by I freaking loved it I thought it was hilarious and I really wanted to see this one right after it but I love the idea of us getting like a similar kind of misadventure with kids but we have it with high school girls now we have it with 12 year old boys and I think it could just be exploring a very similar subject matter in different ways so Riley are you in on good boys oh I'm totally in I'm, I'm with everybody here at the time I, I loved it I love that they made no qualms about Yep, here's the red band. There are kids cursing in this. Deal with it. If you have a problem, great. But this is this is I love these types of movies. I just do. I like the crude humor as well. I like I'm sure it feels like it, uh, that there's going to be some heart in there and some like Superbad had a lot of heart in it. And if we're comparing it to there, then great. But if there's no heart and it's all, you know, D and F <laughs> jokes, fine. Jacob Tremblay is one of the most talented actors coming from room and, and, and he was the best part of the Predator. I'm kidding. But uh, I'm glad to see him in this, and uh, I can't wait to see it. I just loved everything about this trailer. What did he say on stage that sounded very scripted but was still funny? He's, he said something. Uh, I know what you're referring to. I yeah. can't remember specifically what it was off the top of my head because I wasn't at the screening. But, like, he dropped a couple of jokes during that interview that I found very funny. And, it, I mean, it didn't feel scripted whatsoever. Well, he, he talks like an adult. I mean, so I'm not surprised. He, um, I just I got li- that vibe. I liked a lot of like, like, you know, in Superbad, it's all about getting laid and getting the booze. And, and I like that this that the stakes aren't quite as high. And it's just about, like, your first kiss. And what is that supposed to be like? And, you know, looking at porn for the first time. And, like, what are they doing? I don't know. Well, I, I like all that stuff. Well, at the end of the porn bit is hilarious, too, where Jacob Tremblay is like, they didn't even kiss. And it's, it's their delivery that's spot on, too. Like, especially, um, I want to get the names right so we could start to uh, make sure you guys know about them. The other two young stars in this are Brady Noon and... And Keith L. Williams. And I don't know, I just found Brady Noon's, uh, his delivery of all of his dialogue in this trailer in particular, just what really sold some of the jokes. It's, it just seemed very spot on to me. Right. He yeah. said, I remember he said, he said, I'm, I'm shocked and appalled. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at all the swearing. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very much uh, excited for this. I think it's I don't know if it, it kind of seems like it's a down year for comedy, or maybe that was just kind of last the second half of last year. Like we haven't you know besides blockers, and maybe there was one other one I forget last year. But it, it, it you know comedy is is not uh, firing on all cylinders lately. Like we're just getting our, our first Seth Rogen comedy in a while. I feel like with Longshot. Yeah. You know, like so you know the more the merrier. The more co- studio comedies we can get, the better. I mean. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how these play, too, because, I mean, again, the coming-of-age vibe, I do feel like there's a draw to it. And given the reaction that books that I saw Booksmart get, I do think this summer could be a hot one for 
for this type of comedy, at least. Yeah. We will find out soon enough. May for Booksmart and August for Good Boys. Napa Know How. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive. Brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jeff Snyder here to let you know that Collider Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join at DCUniverse.com to stream the original series Doom Patrol with new episodes dropping weekly. For those not familiar with Doom Patrol, they're one of the most beloved and bizarre superhero crews out there. With each member having suffered a previous horrific injury that now gives them unique superpowers, they have united as a squad of super freaks to fight for a world that, ironically, wants nothing to do with them. The star-studded cast is led by Joyvin Wade as Cyborg, Diane Guerrero as Crazy Jane, April Bowlby as Elastigirl, Alan Tudyk as Mr. Nobody, with Matt Bomer as Negative Man, and Brendan Fraser as Robot Man. Enjoy Doom Patrol as well as other original series, thousands of added comics, animated films, and classic DC movies on the ultimate DC platform, DC Universe, available on your favorite devices. Join today and get a year's worth of DC content at DCUniverse.com. Napa Know How! Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Next up... Before I jump into the story, actually, I'm going to remind you right now, send in those live Twitter questions. We're going to answer some of them at the end of the show. So this is your opportunity. Hashtag Collider Movie Talk. All right. Third story for the day is a Marvel story and specifically a Marvel Disney Plus story. We've got Slash Film reporting that Disney is developing an animated series based on the What If comics. Here's what they said. The idea is that they could potentially have some of the main characters from the live action Marvel Cinematic Universe movie reprise their roles in the animated series, which would imagine alternate possibilities from another dimension. The time commitment for voice acting is a whole lot less for live action action productions, which could accommodate some of the biggest Marvel talent. The series would function as an anthology, just like the comic book series, which each episode tackling a different premise. So, Riley, I know you know a little bit about the What If series, Mm -hmm. so do you think this is a good idea, or do you you think it might 
for especially for somebody who wants to keep up with everything Marvel related and everything that is considered canon, yeah. is there a risk of this being too much? No, because I think they're putting if they put it in the animation world, then then it, it's pretty easy to wrap your head around, uh, especially for fans of the comic like me, who the what if scenario is basically that what if the X-Men died on their first mission? What would that mean for the X-Men universe? And you examine that. Um, what if Spider-Man never, ever got into crime fighting and instead became a professional wrestler like he did uh, when he was dealing and, and, was, and was christened the Spider-Man? I love those stories because you can go a lot into different takes on the universe. What if scenarios of like, what if Uncle Ben never died? What if fill in the blank? Dark Horse did a great run uh, for Star Wars, and they called it Star Wars Infinities. What if Luke actually died from the Wampa attack, and Yoda has to actually train Princess Leia instead of Luke? Those are the kind of stories I can get behind, have fun with, and if the actors from the roles that they're doing come in and spend a day, hell, an hour, get a paycheck, do the episode, that's going to be fun for the fans everywhere. And I think it's a nice addition to the Disney Plus and a, and a great thing for comic book sweaties who, who know this, this uh, line. This intrigues me. I get very excited when I hear about franchises kind of branching out and doing something different and the creative possibilities with having something that, yes, is connected to the MCU but is taking place in a different dimension just sounds creatively very exciting to me. I'm curious to know what the animation style would be yeah. because, you know, when you hear a story like this and when you hear about something that could take place in a different dimension, mention at this point in time my mind immediately goes back to spider-verse so now Mm. i'm already thinking if and when they do this i want to make sure that they are also adding just from a visual standpoint too because that would excite me even more than just saying okay we're going to animate using techniques that we've done before but give you more of these characters well that's a good point i i don't find it surprising in the least that this news is breaking you know a couple months after the success of spider-verse in theaters and then not even a month after winning best picture, uh, best animated picture. I think it's something that Marvel looked at and went, "Well, wait a minute. We have Spider Verses. We have our What If, and and I wouldn't even put it at alternate dimensions. It's that What If the story was this way and it's a one off, mm-hmm. and that's what I always love. It can be contained. It can maybe it can run a couple episodes depending on the story, but. I've always loved that story, uh, that we do it all the time as film people. It's like talking about movies and talking about these scenarios like, well, what if he didn't do this? Or what if what if Luke never did uh, blow up the Death Star? What would that look like? That's stuff that the, the sweaties can get behind. What if this report was wrong? Oh, no. no. I'm just kidding. Slash film. Oh, <laughs> nice no. Reporting. Nice reporting. Slash What's film. In here? Um, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I read the, the news today. Uh, I took the thunder away from my, my talisman scoop, and uh, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it sounded like something different, something, you know, besides just origin stories or taking the same, you know, like a Loki series. I don't care. Um, but, yeah, What If sounds like an, an interesting premise. I guess if there was one that I would want to see, I would want to see What If... Tony Stark mm-hmm. was poor. Yeah. No, I'm serious. Ooh, uh, you can do that. I like me. that. Yeah. I like that one. I yeah. like that a lot. He probably too. would be Iron Man. He or, would have the brain for it. Maybe you'd have to. I mean, they did, Yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, 
it's it's not just Marmol. I mean, I think they've done it. You DC sweaties out there, tell me. I'm sure there's they've done what? it in DC because they did it at Star Wars is at this, Dark Horse. Is this supposed to be a one hour or a half hour or what? Do we they, know? I don't think uh, Slash Films specified half any hour details. seems like fun. Like if yeah. it was like a fun kind of bite sized sort of thing, I that that might be the first thing that really gets me excited about Disney Plus. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm picturing because I also immediately pictured the standard Disney animation style for whatever reason and half hour seems pretty appropriate to me yeah hopefully we get a little more information on this soon and specifically about what it means to take place in another dimension i know you tried to define it a little bit but one of the things that we've been theorizing with avengers endgame is that what if we wind up in a position where we are in another universe where all the characters who were dusted and went away we're with them in another reality so if this story is true and if we are getting stories on disney plus an animated form that take place in another dimension riley do you think that closes the door to that theory that they won't want so many different dimensions out there no i i, I don't think so i would think it would only enhance their want if if this thing takes off they can then mine there's a lot of story uh storylines and i'm looking especially to house of m and which was a an x-men crossover that then brought everybody together you are you're loving my sweatiness right now, aren't I, you? I got some great news here. I just don't know that I'm allowed to share. Oh, it. Okay. It's not, it's not movie it. news. It's um, not movie news. But House of M was a was a storyline in which uh, Scarlet Witch um, changes the dimension and it becomes a what if scenario. It's like something happens and I can't remember, um, but she she uses her powers that then. Um, I know it kills Hawkeye, at least in the comics, and then it reverberates through the the, the universe and creates an alternate timeline where, like, Spider-Man, I, or I, I believe something happened with Spider-Man, but everybody's in a different place. And they can, they can look at that, especially Marvel. I look at this Fox deal. Everybody wonders about X-Men. I wonder if the House of M kind of storyline could work as alternate dimension. There's, it's, in the, it's in the comics. It's in the source material. So I don't think they would ever want to shy away from it if it doesn't work here or if it even works here. House of M storyline could be a great, like, building up to an Avengers Affinity War, like, big event movie where it's like one movie's House of M starts at middle and then end. You know, there's so many options you can do. I have a lot of hope that it's Disney+. Plus. They're going to look at this. They have so many things they can mine from the comic books, and we'll see what happens. A lot of possibilities here, and it's also just exciting that we're hearing about different formats and different styles of uh, filmmaking or series making that's happening on Disney+, Plus because it is another streaming service we have to pay for, so I yep. want a robust, exciting library. Alright, we got one more story on our main lineup today, and it is about Bohemian Rhapsody. So page six is reporting that the director of dozens of Queen music videos says that the band and its management are lining up behind a sequel to Bohemian Rhapsody. Here is what Rudy Dolezal told page six. I hope I pronounced that name correctly. I'm sure he plans... I'm sure he plans a sequel that starts with Live Aid. He added that the follow-up film is now being heavily discussed in the Queen family. Of course, uh, if you have seen Bohemian Rhapsody, well, if you haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody, spoiler alert, I guess, the movie ends with the Live Aid performance, which is around the time that this director began working with Queen, and 
he basically did about 30 videos for them, and it ended with uh, Freddie Mercury's final video shoot for These Are the Days of Our Lives in 1991. Page Six did note that a pal of Rami Malek's told them that they hadn't heard of any talk about a new film, and a rep for Queen's record label told them that they also have not heard about any sequel. Hey, Jeff, have you heard about a sequel? <laughs> wow, what a <laughs> stupid story. And shame on all the film blogs who can now get away with this as long as some outlet like the New York Post, LOL, says this movie, there's a sequel to Bohemian Rhapsody. They go, is there a sequel to Bohemian Rhapsody? And then they wax ecstatic about whether that would be a good idea or not. And then two hours later, when, when someone actually takes the time to reach out to Graham King and ask, then they get to write a second story being like, update, it's not actually happening. Like, And they get all the traffic from this, and it's so stupid. Who in their right mind is picking up stories, okay, from page six, first of all, mm-hmm. from who talked to a guy who directed music videos for Queen. When was the last time you guys saw a music video from Queen? This is a guy who worked for them from 25 years ago or something. I mean, someone asked Rami Malek's friends, why don't you just ask the guy who pumped Rami Malek's gas this morning? Like, it's so (laughs) stupid. I I just, I cannot get over it. Would I be shocked if Fox actually did find a way to make some sequel to the highest grossing drama of all time? It actually wouldn't shock me. But, you know, as we discussed before the show, uh, Ryan, you there's never been an actor has never uh i guess done a sequel uh, to, to an oscar-winning performance since right. anthony hopkins in sounds of the lambs right although you know michael douglas also did it for wall street um so you know anthony uh, anthony hopkins returned as hannibal michael douglas back as wall street how did that work out for either of them well yeah yeah uh, did not very well i mean you know quality critics Box office, you can put it all we in. We think the, Hannibal's okay, right? Hannibal's, the Hannibal's pretty good. That's right. uh, that's one I can get behind. Yeah, Wall Dragon, Street Two. Yeah, Wall Street Two was ill advised. Yeah, this uh, yeah this just reeks of just uh, not true. Just like to put it out there because Bohemian Rhapsody, and we talked a little bit. We got we heard about this. We talked. We touched on it uh, during Twitter yesterday. I don't buy it. I just don't buy it right now because. Uh, uh, there's so much behind. I know this movie made a ton of money, and I know Rami Malek deservingly won the Oscar, but don't we want to put that a little bit behind us right now and let things settle down, but money talks so I can understand that it might be some of the queen people behind it, but it, are, where are the producers and where's Rami Malek? That's what Rami, you need I mean, to talk about. Rami Malek and Freddie Mercury are ostensibly dead, right? right. Uh, so it's like, what, what is this movie about? Adam Lambert coming in to join the band? No, but this is what I talked about that they'll never do, which is what I was missing from Bohemian Rhapsody, was more about Freddie Mercury and his private life and what brought, like, what happened. Go deeper there. It was more about the band, and I get that. So the only thing I would want from this alleged sequel is to go deeper into his struggle with AIDS and losing him. And that's what would be interesting to me. What was his personal life? What was there? What They only scratched the surface there just a smidge. So I would want to see a deeper dive on that character, I feel like, but I think that's they would never touch it. I feel like every AIDS movie is about that, though. Yeah, you know? um, it is. I just think it's so crazy that people extrapolate these things from like a Brian May interview where he says, Live AIDS is a good point to leave it. Who knows? There might be a sequel, and people like take that to 
to mean, oh, there's a sequel in the works. Like, wow. And who is making singer, uh, sequels to Brian Singer movies? Well, running those stories like that without substantiating the claims is a little ridiculous. But, you know, a lot of the times that we talk about these types of things, they're quotes that come from interviews where, you know, to be frank, people are talking casually to a degree. And they right. aren't necessarily completely media trained to say exactly what they're supposed to to adhere to what is truly being developed. And I even saw a specific tweet this morning from one outlet that said something about someone's upcoming project. And I saw that individual, that writer director quote tweet it just to to flesh it out. Like I was talking casually about this and this is what I really meant. I'm not taking back what I said kind of thing, but I just wanted to put your focus on the specific thing that you should be focusing on. And I quite respect that. But This is crazy to me. And I get what you were saying about, you know, I wouldn't be so surprised if this happened because we're in the middle of a business that's so focused on dollars and cents. And this was a hugely successful movie. But in this particular case, the only way I would ever see and believe a Bohemian Rhapsody sequel to happen is if... One, it didn't include Rami Malek, and they basically just went with the other band members. But in that case, you almost take out the major financial draw. I don't think right. Rami Malek would want to run the risk of like of, of tarnishing that Oscar. He's yeah. on to other yes. things now with Bond. But then, on top of that, can you imagine how much money he could demand to come right. back? I would be shocked if the, any of them signed any kind of deal for multiple movies. There is close to no possible way in my mind that this project the major financial reason to do a movie it's not like rami malik was the draw for this movie it was the music of queen and guess what we heard it all in the first movie what songs are left for the sequel the second time around though after he's got an oscar in his hand and basically led he was like the face of the entire campaign though that would be the draw i think for number two i think basically a bohemian rhapsody 2 with rami malik involved in some capacity would make like that much money whereas a movie without him is I Not just think it's, it is irresponsible for the media to report on these kinds of stories. And kudos to whoever actually took the time to reach out to Graham King. Mm. All right. There it is. Yeah. I, uh, so before we get into mailbag questions, because now we, we, well, we're we, taking Twitter we questions. Did, yeah, we did. Uh, well, first we have to do some plugs. Okay. Do, did, do you the have, plug. did you have news I did. Something? I had some breaking news here. Okay. Some actual personal breaking I'm, I'm news. I'm letting you run with this. You're making me well, nervous. For the la- so I was getting calls from my family during the show because... For the last few weeks, I've known I'm going to be an uncle. Hey! I'm going to be an uncle. And tonight was the gender reveal. Tonight was the gender reveal. And? And there's going to be a first. There's going to be a Snyder girl. Oh. Oh, my God. Finally, somebody We're coming all boys in. in the family. Put those Snyder boys in check. I have no idea what a Snyder girl could even look like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of terrified. This uh, is great. Congratulations. Yes, congrats said to, that. to my. I know. That for congrats you, to my younger brother Jordan wow. and his beautiful wife hey. Lauren. Yeah, uh, amazing. huge congratulations. Love what, it. What awesome news. Nieces yeah. are awesome. I have guys. a niece and she's the best. I will have a niece soon too. There it is. Yeah. All right. We're gonna Welcome we're gonna the be the, the aunt and uncle that just spoil the crap out of our. Send us your. Send me all your names. Naming ideas so that I can bother them, but don't make it like Leia or any of these, like, you know. All right. Names. Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Are you guys going with the... Uh... Scarlet, Scarlet Snyder. That's actually not bad. Scarlet That's Snyder. That's not bad, right? That's a, a superhero name. Is it a specific letter? I don't know. I have okay, no idea. Okay. We're all Jays in the family. They, they may want to break that, that up. All right. Napa Know How. 
This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831 Jeff Snyder here to let you know that Collider Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join at DCUniverse.com and get sucked into new original series like the highly touted Titans. Or jump into Doom Patrol, DC's most beloved team of super freaky superheroes, featuring an incredible cast of Joy Van Wade, Diane Guerrero, April Bowlby, Alan Tudyk, Matt Bomer, and Brendan Fraser, with new episodes dropping weekly. Or get your comic book fix with thousands of new comic titles just added to an already impressive comic library this includes more recent titles and complete storylines like superman secret origin batman 2011 and harley quinn 2013 also available on the platform are tons of the classic dc movies we love like batman batman returns and the original superman movie if animated films are more your speed join now because the new justice league versus the fatal five is coming soon dc universe is available on your favorite devices so if you were thinking about it before now is definitely the time join and get a year's worth of dc content at dcuniverse.com all right, right now we've got some Still plugs developing because six more months. <laughs> there is content coming your way on this YouTube channel and across the entire Collider Network. But tomorrow you're getting a brand new episode of Collider Live. Then, of course, Movie Talk is live at 4 p.m. PT. And Rule of Two. Rule of Two is happening, Riley? Rule of well, Two is dropping. Yeah, it's dropping it today. Oh, I believe boy. it's going to be dropping uh, later on this evening. What so you guys talk about? Check it out. We, uh, what don't we talk about? I don't know. I can't pinpoint. We, we got his thoughts on what Mark Hamill said again. Uh, we talked a little bit about some gaming news and uh, how uh, a very enterprising young man recreated Star Wars Pod Racer, updated the graphics, and then we went down the rabbit hole on what will the trailer be for Episode Nine. Jeff Snyder knows the answer. What is it, Jeff Snyder? You have no idea. Do you? I don't know. We'll talk about it on our on our podcast. Okay, Perry. Rule deal. of Jew. Rule of Jew. Oh. Perfect. <laughs> I'm in. The official spinoff of Rule of Two. Yeah. Mazel uh, top. So this, this uh, extra question that Jeff has been teasing is an interesting one. And we got to give a little uh, shout out to Lord of Noise, who wanted our take on the article written about Annapurna, mm. which, of course, is Megan Ellison's company. And... Basically, what happened is Variety ran an article that ran through Annapurna's recent releases, and they revealed some possible financing information regarding how much they lost on all their movies. And it is a fair amount of money here. So Megan Ellison replied to to Variety and wrote, Nice way of supporting women. I have done good things for the industry, and you want me in it. By the way, my money and I look like this, and my dad thinks I'm dope as F, and there's a Beyonce gif where she's being showered with money while laying in a pool. Um, (laughs) Jeff, uh, you brought this to my attention today, so I will toss it to you first. Guys, buckle up. Oh, boy. This is an epic clapback. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it was like I said on Twitter, just wow, wow. But here's the thing, and I want, I, want to, I want to preface this by saying I agree with Megan Ellison. Megan Ellison has done a lot of good things for this industry, and we do want her in it. Yes. You know, the industry wants another buyer, someone with deep pockets, someone who is making, you know, uh, movies for adults and mid-budget movies, things like Booksmart, yep. which, you know, had a ton of buzz coming out of South By. 
And, you know, even movies that I didn't like this past award season, like If Beale Street Could Talk or Vice or, and Destroyer to an extent, like, I'm glad that someone is making those movies. Yep. But come on, Megan Ellison, you know, if you're going to play with the big boys, so to speak, like you have got to be willing to take the criticism like that. So when you're when you're calling out Claudia Eller for nice way of supporting women, it's not Claudia Eller, Claudia Eller's job to support women. Her job is to call it like she sees it. And she's just reporting on things completely fairly, regardless of, you know, what, what the gender of the studio head. Like, these are movies that, that have cost Annapurna money. Like, they were yeah. not great business decisions. And, for, you know, forget Beale Street, forget Destroyer. Those are small budget things. Vice is a movie that never should have been made at the budget level that it, that it was. And when you see deleted scenes like yesterday's musical scene, you're just like, you know, it's fine for Adam McKay to, to, to write that scene and want to shoot it, but to actually be the financier and the producer and pay for that to get shot, mm. you got to be crazy. You got to tell Adam McKay, no, we're not doing this musical scene. It's ridiculous. It's going to wind up on the cutting room floor anyways. Like, and, and $30 million, because she lost that between these three movies, roughly. It's not nothing. Uh, to a studio, maybe it's nothing. But when, you know, when you're a, a smaller distributor, you're Megan Ellison. Obviously, she's a very wealthy woman. But $30 million is not nothing. And it's totally fair for Variety to, to you know, look at the company's financials and write a critical article. Like, And, and the other thing is, it's like, again, I, I love the clapback, but... If you really want to argue, get on the phone. Get on the phone and answer the reporter and say, no, like, this is, this is why we do this. And, again, I'm fine with her. Sp it's her money. You know, let her spend it the way she wants. If she wants to take a $30 million bath on making art films, that's totally within her right. And I'm glad that somebody is out there willing to take that bath and go on that journey with these artists. But to call out Variety, Variety was totally, totally correct to do what they did. Sorry. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, very, very well said there. I Thank think you. I'm, yeah, pretty much on the same page on this issue. After reading that article, I was a little surprised how strongly she snapped back because that, that is what Variety does. They, yeah, it's, it's they, not about they, supporting they, they women. Do their, Everything becomes this gender well, or racial, like, treatise or essay. It's like, you know, you're the head of a company. We're criticizing the company. Well, it depends how you take the phrase supporting women. It's like, for me personally, it is important for me to be part of a brand that supports women in the fact that like one we're covering stories truthfully and not maliciously of i don't course. i don't necessarily I, I don't necessarily sit here and say oh like i need to support a female filmmaker and never reveal the fact that her movie failed financially at the box office it's not like that it's about like malicious wording and putting someone down and in that particular instance they didn't do that in that article no. it is strictly an article about Facts. It's business. Facts. I mean, you know, she could take it personally, but yeah, I just, I just don't. I was surprised that Megan played the the, the woman card there because yeah. I don't think it's fair. And and women, it's just because you're a woman, you don't, you, woman, you don't get a pass. Is well, that what she's expecting? I also do understand why she takes it personally. It hurts. It's her business. It's her operation. It's and her the, baby. I get it. And these are also very, very important films that I would imagine everybody at that company feels very passionately about. And I can't even begin to tell you how much I want to see Annapurna's financials turn around because when you do read that. List of films, and you realize that they were almost all losers financially. That is so upsetting, right. and it brings yeah. me right back to: Did you guys ever see Professor Marston and the Wonder Women? That was no, another Annapurna release, yeah. and it is so so good and completely flew under the radar. Nobody yeah. but, saw it, but, but and like, but it, and it's not even like a, a, a thing about marketing with that. I wouldn't have made that movie to start with. Like, it may very well be a good movie and a great story, but like. I'm just never well, pulling the trigger on that as a financier. 
That yeah. no, that that I think is is where we get into like a, a troubled zone there. I understand that certain stories are more challenging to make as far as running a company like Annapurna and making money from them. But that well, is why that right. is exactly why we need people like Megan Ellison in this business to take those risks on the stories. Maybe there needs to be some sort of changes happening in the promotion and marketing department to, I don't know, switch it up and get these more challenging, different stories out to a wider audience. I, I never understand why. People care about budgets and money. Like, I'm an industry reporter, so I have to care. But I don't understand why Joe Schmo cares how much something costs. It's not like Annapurna is a publicly traded company whose, whose investors are taking, or, you know, whose stockholders are taking a hit when a movie, you know, underperforms. Like, this is Megan's money, and frankly, she's free to burn it all if she wants. Like, again, we're, we're getting great lasting works of art uh, in, in some cases, not in, you know, some of the cases that I, that I just named. Mm-hmm. I didn't care for Sorry to Bother You. That's the movie that, that actually has been profitable for yeah. them. Um, I, I think that we need Annapurna, and I'm glad to see Megan Ellison sort of, you know, stand her ground in a sense, but but I don't think that, that she responded the right way to this article. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's How do you feel all. about that, yeah. Riley? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, with you. I'm with you, dude. I'm, I couldn't agree more. I think I love that she's putting her money where her mouth is and making these movies yeah. that are that are taking chances and we we don't get a lot of that with the studios they want the locked in blockbuster a four quadrant opening weekend right. gross movie we need her that that you know we don't get with a vice or a if beale street could talk or some of the other movies mm-hmm. so i want her to keep doing it but to your other point yeah you're gonna have to take the heat if yep. somebody goes but wait a minute these are all losing money yes what are they they got to turn it around right and and then when she's throwing the money in the air i thought that that's just a little it's a great clap back but it's a little bit as like but aren't you worried about your studio and everybody else and right now it's like all on her and she's throwing money like beyonce and there's a big staff and development and all these things there that you have to worry you gotta about. be willing to take your lumps and i don't think yes. that, that claudia eller or matt donnelly are, are you know vindictively going after annapurna here right. they are they are calling it like they see it i think the rest of us pretty much see it the same way yeah. you know she's a patron of the arts but yeah that that's gonna cost you sometimes in terms of public relations if the numbers are accurate i would just want to you know be I, absolutely sure that i, I gotta every... say I, I think that the numbers are accurate and i think that they're pretty generous i, I think that they variety played okay. it pretty safe with the uh, g- the estimates of how much these movies could lose all right all right, that is our first Twitter question. We're going to do another one. Let's go with something a little lighter from D. Cowie Writer. And Dean is asking us, cinema etiquette. Is it okay to talk during trailers? A couple people behind me were doing that at a screening last week. I wanted to ask them to be quiet, but since it wasn't the actual movie, I wasn't sure who would be the rude one in that scenario. No. They need to shut up. When those lights go down, that movie has started trailers and all. People want to see the trailer. You tell them to shush it. I think I'm Answer with, done. I think I'm with Dean on this one. And you, I guess, because I want people to be quiet when I watch the trailers because yeah. I like what we're constantly watching trailers on our teeny tiny computer screens. When I go see a movie in the theater, I really want to take it in and enjoy it. But I'm also like Dean in that even if I was pissed that someone was talking in that specific moment, I would never have the nerve to turn around and tell someone to shut up. Whereas if they were talking during the yeah. actual movie, then I would. I'm with Perry on this. I, I actually, as much as I would love to live in a world where everyone pays trailers respect and, and all that most of the time you go to the movies you've already seen the trailers they've already been online um so i i hold my shushing until the movie starts once the movie's starting you're getting that shush but yeah. trailers 
I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay. One more question today. Oh. This is an interesting one from <laughs> Pete ZZZ17, who writes, how do you define master filmmaker? And which filmmakers do you think fall into this category or label? Or when do you consider someone a master filmmaker? Oh, God. Big question. That's so well, subjective. I'll, I'll put it this way. It right it's, a, it's a fraction of the times that they say it in these trailers from visionary director so-and-so. You're, I'm like, are you kidding me? Hmm. Um, who is a master filmmaker? I mean, I, look, I, at that fil- look at that bracket that hit film Twitter last night. Uh, oh boy god yeah that's questionable bracket a fun conversation starter but i'm I'm pretty sure everybody out there would have moved things around differently on that bracket tarantino (laughs) cohen spielberg you know i mean i I, yeah i think um i think when directors like a spielberg can um you know make the first blockbuster in jaws and then reinvent himself Mm -hmm. years later and make schindler's list i think that's you're a master but then there's quentin tarantino that plays in you know his version of a genre like he only like, created the tarantino genre mm-hmm. um and does it so well I, I think you would consider him a master as well i think there are, are directors out there it's very subjective i mean i think would you clump michael bay and say he's a master now he's a master yeah. of blowing stuff up and making blockbusters and getting butts and seats so it's very subjective i think if you want to call a director if you enjoy their movies so much doesn't matter who it is that you're going to go opening night or buy all their movies or get their posters and put them on walls and you want to call them a master how about i think master means of a certain age too like i can't go calling ryan coogler damien chazelle or barry jenkins film masters yet i'm sorry i don't care if they've won oscars ryan coogler is not a film master i i I tend to agree with that actually it goes to my spielberg point of view (laughs) that's what see that's why i chose this question because that that was a word that was thrown around a yeah. lot after uh, the release of Us at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I was thinking about it quite a bit. And I did hesitate to say, like, Jordan Peele is a master filmmaker. I said his work was masterful, I believe. But like, I started to think about it a little bit. When I started to think about the details and what he was able to create on so many different levels, it's just I look at a film like Us and I see his brain operating on a different level, a different understanding of how you unite everything together, how you tell such a multi-layered story. And I think, I, I really do think that guy is a pro. That guy is a master at what he does. And that's not to say that Jordan Peele can't release a third feature that falls flat on its face and it isn't good and I'm not still looking at Get Out and Us and saying those were masterful films so it's just a matter of it being almost like a fluid definition and really I think you're in the right to maybe take that away from someone if they let's say release a string of not so good releases I think it's more of like an in the moment feeling or at least it is for me. Yeah. I mean, Ryan, Ryan Coogler's made three good movies. I just happen to be of the opinion that each one is technically not as good as the last one. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, that, that's subjective as well. I no, mean, I, I, I think, know. I know. I think, uh, you know, we're, he's, he's one that you could argue is three for three in that he, he made is. three very different movies um, in three very different genres and crushed them in box office and, critic, and, and critically. So if anybody has a moniker of the master waiting to be anointed, it's Ryan Googler. Yes. I think that he, if he keeps going at this level, 
I would start calling him a master in, <laughs> I, in a few I think years. You need five movies. Five I, movies feels I like a good number. I on giving Ryan Coogler the the M word right now, but um, I with do too. yeah, with uh, what you just said, I mean, it's subjective, and it's mm-hmm. almost like I take the word master and I file it in the same compartment that I do my my movie review grades, where I'll give it the grade in the moment because it feels right more so than anything. Giving something a review or rating number, whatever letter, however you do it. It's not down to a science. It's not a mathematical, precise thing that's happening. It's more of a, it's a feeling in the moment. And that feeling in the moment could change as you watch and you rewatch something or as you watch someone continue to grow as a director. And sometimes that growth can make them even more of a master than they felt like before. And sometimes, yeah, they could hit a lull for a little bit and snap back. So it's all fluid right now. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and call Jordan Peele a master filmmaker. Yeah, I mean, you've seen us. Yeah. So I've I seen us, wait. and I can't stop thinking about it. Okay. Yeah. If anybody, again, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. One movie is is not enough for me. But from what I'm hearing from us, I might be a little bit more closer to calling him that. But again, yeah, I think I think you have to look at a body of work to start having that conversation. And that could be two films. That could be three films, like Ryan Coogler. But I, I like I I like to look at like. The Tarantinos, the Spielbergs, some of these masters, I guess, that we're calling it, and looking at their body of work and see how they've they've held up over the years. All right. I'm going to leave that one to you guys now. Hit that comment section below. Tell us, who do you think are the master filmmakers out there? Does the amount of films they make matter to you? We want to know what you think also. And with that a wrap on today's movie talk we are done i've got to thank jeff and riley for joining me at the table and of course cody in the booth back there thanks so much for being here cody we miss you adam we'll see you soon Porchata poppy you got it in there shout out all right all right fair game (laughs) we're out of here but i'm gonna remind you guys tomorrow 4 p.m pt live for a brand new episode of movie talk like and share this episode tell everybody you know about it and also about us on the podcast network as well we will see you soon